0: chapter 6. And as you turn there, I want to tell you about something that a lot of you guys ought to know. I greatly, greatly, greatly dislike cooked vegetables. Most of them. It's not like, oh, he doesn't like, no, I just don't like them. And it's been like this for a long time. So like, even when I was little, I'd say, well, when you grow up, you'll like cooked vegetables. When you become a teenager, you'll like cooked vegetables, teen years. Okay, when you get to your 20s, you'll like cooked vegetables. When you get married, you'll like cooked vegetables. Then, after I got married, I'm grown. It's like, yeah, you know, your grandfather, your great uncle don't like it either. It's like, oh, conspiracy all these years. And so there's some I like. So, you know, people are like, oh, pastor's not healthy. Now I eat uncooked vegetables, salad, smoothies. I do eat the vegetables, I just don't like them cooked. Ugh, still don't. But out of all of them, there is one that I hate the most. And I don't use hate as an understatement. I hate it. The smell, I haven't had it in nearly 30 years. I hate green beans, and I don't. So I said, "Oh, you just haven't had mind yet." Nope. People have tried it for years. I just like them all. I don't care if it's in a casserole by itself with meat, potatoes. I hate it all. I hate green beans. But even if I hate green beans, and I do, if I plant green bean seeds. And water green bean seeds and cultivate green bean seeds eventually I'll have a harvest of green beans no matter how much I hate them no, no matter how much I dislike them no matter how I, say, I bind you green beans in the name of Jesus I cast you out green beans go from here hey. no matter how much I tell you all of that if I sow green bean seeds If I water green bean seeds, one day I'll have a harvest of green beans, no matter how much I dislike it. And so it led me to this question today. Are there some things you're trying to pray away that you've already sold for? You may hate the results in your life, and you're trying to pray them away during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, but they're not leaving because you sold for it. You've sold for it, you've watered for it, and now you're harvesting it. You're trying to bind stuff you sold for. You're wondering why it showed up? It's because you sold for it. And I can't talk about that without talking about Galatians chapter 6. So look at it with me. Galatians chapter 6. We're gonna start with verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever, say whatsoever. Because when you look at verse 6, it's talking about financial things. But then when he says whatsoever in verse 7, it makes it a universal law. So it's not just talking about finances. Finances are included, but it's talking about whatsoever. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life Everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint now. And see, sometimes it's so easy to faint doing what is good. Because we don't like fainting doing what is bad. We keep going. We don't faint in what's bad. We just keep going because it feels good to our flesh. Don't look at me like that. It feels good to your flesh to sin. That's what Hebrews says. It feels good for a little bit it's fun but we forget there's a harvest and so here's the deceitful part about sin when it doesn't smack you in the face when you do it you think you're good but how many know depending on the seeds you sow there's a different type of time before the harvest shows up there are some seeds that will produce that same year but there's some seeds like apple seeds that will take 20 years to produce. So just because what you're doing and the dark in the back in the booth in the corner hasn't shown up doesn't mean it's not coming. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Don't be misled You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So are you trying to pray away things you've sowed for? If you would stop sowing the wrong seeds, that harvest would not continually produce. As the prophet Haggai said, consider your ways. As we end this year, we must once again re-examine our lives in the light of harvest. We must go and look again. Go, go say, go and look again. Go ahead, put that in the chat and say it again. Say, go And look again. And talking about sowing to the flesh, it makes sense to back up to the previous chapter, Galatians 5, to see what the Apostle Paul said about the works of the flesh. Because we put in the chapters later to help you find the information, but this was one letter Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey, more like in the mid part of modern-day Turkey. And so he wrote one letter to them, and so as he's talking about reaping from the flesh, destruction and corruption and decay. Let's talk about the works of the flesh. Go back to Galatians chapter five, verse 14. It says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then walk or live continually, make it your habit in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. The word lust means to put pressure on. Your flesh puts pressure on your spirit, and your spirit puts pressure on the flesh. Who wins is who you feed and how you renew your mind. Because there's a lot of saved people behaving badly. Why? They never renew their mind. They're saved. Jesus lives on the inside of them, but they're still living like a heathen because they don't know the difference yet. That's why it's important to get into the Word and stay in the Word. Continually be in the Word every single day. Renew your mind so your mind is renovated. Now, how many, if you're moving into a house, let's say you, wanted, you bought an investment, a fixer-upper, and you knew you needed to renovate the whole thing. How many of you would just renovate like half a room and say, well, I renovated the house, I'm good? No, you knew even if it took time, I'm going to do everything I need to do to renovate the entire house so it's suitable to how I want to live. Why as Christians do we only renovate one part of our mind? When if we renovate all of our mind, we can have the life Jesus died for and got back up for for us to have. How much you experience of new creation realities and what God has granted you as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is dependent on how you think. And if you just think how you were before you were saved, you won't experience the best God has for you. You must renew your mind with the word of God. And part of that is seeing what God likes and what he dislikes. Seeing what God says is true and what he says is a lie. What God says is righteous, and what he says is sin. And you have to make a decision. You're going to stick with what he says, no matter what the politicians say, no matter what the media says, no matter what nobody says. Like I'm sticking with the book. Because how many know the opinions of politicians and media and everybody else? It changes. Sometimes in the same week. So stick with what is eternal, the word of God. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And so I have almost 17 definitions defining these. Because when you read them, some of these words are hard to understand. And some of these words, we don't use them in the same way. So I came up with some definitions for you in studying these out. And so if you haven't gotten my notes, I encourage you to download them. Because I won't take much time to reread them. So now the works of the flesh are these. See, this is it. The word adultery and fornication defines sexual immorality, which is having sex with someone you are not married to. This Greek definition from this Greek word pornea means homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, prostitution, and pornography. This is the first one Paul starts off with. Then he moves on and says uncleanness, which is defined as impurity of lust lewd and unclean thoughts that produce lewd and unclean actions and so when you see in the gospels people with unclean spirits it's letting you know how that spirit got a hold of them it started with their thoughts and moved to their actions and those actions became habits and that devil grabbed them lasciviousness means lack of self-control total irresponsibility Excessive consumption of food. Wild, undisciplined living that is especially marked by an unrestrained sex life. Idolatry, putting things in God's place. Extreme greed, vices springing from idolatry and peculiar to it, including prostitution, or in today's sense, sleeping around in order to get ahead. Witchcraft, which is drug use and sorcery. The word witchcraft comes from the Greek word pharmakia. Why do they use such a word? Because there was times in the pagan temples they would put different drugs in a pit and they would swing the priestesses over the pit and they would get high and they come back and prophesy in another voice. You think you're getting high to escape something, but you actually encounter something: hatred and intense hostility one feels toward another. Variance, that is contention, quarreling, always fighting, strife, a party spirit that divides and destroys relationships. Emulations, envious and contentious rivalry. Wrath, unresolved anger boiling with a person that inevitably explodes onto others. Strife this word strife means self-seeking It is compared this word was used to describe for those who are going for a political office So think about how Intense americans get at election season And sadly seems like election seasons never end these days. It's like this continual cycle One election after another after another. We used to have a few years of breaks, but now it seems like it never ends But this word Means self-seeking of a political office by unfair means, putting yourself up while tearing others down. You want me to keep going. Seditions, dissension, division, disloyalty, disloyalty, and rebellion to establish authority. Heresies. Now we hear this word, think, oh, the preaching some heresy. That's not what this word means. This word heresy means factions, always breaking up into different cliques and excluding others. It also means unauthorized groups formed out of divisiveness. Just forming different groups because you offended and you dividing from someone else, or you mad at somebody. I'm gonna get them back, so I'm gonna divide. Envyings, murders, drunkenness. And you know what's interesting for that word drunkenness? It comes from a Greek word that the first part of the word is meth. Once again, we go back to drug use, intoxication. He's like, oh, keep going, pastor. Sure, I'll go to the next one. Revelings. Well, what are revelings? Late night drinking parties. You want me to skip from drunkenness? Sure, I'll skip right on to this one. Your wine down Wednesdays. This word also means clubbing. People concerned about, oh, I can't come to church. We might catch a virus, but you out in the club bumping and grinding, don't see nothing wrong with These, the Holy Ghost said, not Kerrick said, are the works of the flesh. These are the things that will produce destruction and corruption and decay in your life. We're not talking about hell, we're talking about now. These previous 17 are all works of the flesh. But if a person makes it their habit, their practice, or lifestyle, demon spirits that specialize in this area will join themselves to them and put them into bondage. All of those things you can do without the devil. You can be bad all by yourself. But if you keep doing this again and again and again, you'll attract the attention of spirits that like those things and you'll end up being a house party wherever you go. Not you bringing joy, but you bringing the drama because you got all these demons with you. All of these works and desires of the flesh will produce destruction, corruption, decay, and death in your life. Let's go to verse 22. Because Paul also, in verse 21, it says things such as this or things like this. He's like, well, the thing that I'm doing is not quite like the definition. It's close, but it's not quite. So he says things like that. So we can't be the people who just... Because, you know, so many believers like, well, if that line is sin, I didn't cross it, Jesus. And see, the thing is, here's where we fall into trap as believers today. We just look at things as sin and not sin. Well, we need to learn how to look at things as wisdom versus foolishness. That may not be sin, but it is foolishness. And if you want to have the life God wants you to have, you don't just need to avoid sin, you need to avoid foolishness as well. And walk in the wisdom of God. Galatians 5.22, we'll start with the Amplified Classic Edition. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which is present within accomplishes love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, which is benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, which is meekness and humility, self-control or self-restraint and continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. That if you want to stop sowing the seeds that produce destruction and corruption and decay, you're going to have to crucify your flesh. What does that mean? Tell your flesh, no. It's not, well, whatever feels good, do it. No. No. You put limits on yourself. You know if that's sin and this is foolishness, I'm putting my line right here. Now, this line may not be a scripture, but this line means you know yourself well enough that if you get too close, you're going to wake up the next morning repenting about something. So you put some lines right here. You put some boundaries in your relationships dating people. We're just going to go out at 3 a.m. Nothing's going to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Put some boundaries, put some lines so you're continually sowing the right seeds. Let's go on. We're going to chapter six and we'll read from the New Living Translation now. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, judge them and cast them out. That's not what it says. If you're spiritual, you should have an extra judgment about them. Look down your holy nose at them and say, "Tisk, tisk, tisk." says, those of you who are godly, or the King James says, those of you who are spiritual, if you think you're spiritual, if you think you're godly, you should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Because if you're not doing that, you're not as godly as you think you are. You see, the thing is people say, "Well, I'm holy, so I can't be around the heathen, then you're not like Jesus. The heathen like Jesus The heathen that don't like you, you may be not as much like Jesus as you think you are. Notice Jesus could be around the heathen and never compromise. He was able to bring them in to the kingdom of God. He never compromised on holiness. He kept the law fully, yet he was able to be around. So Jesus was a hermit, Jesus was not a hermit. He did take a lot of time to be by himself and pray. But notice, read through the gospels. Jesus, he is on a mission to save the world. He has three years of ministry, yet he still had time to go to a wedding. He still had time to have friends. He wasn't a hermit. Yet he found a way how to be completely submitted to his father's will and be amongst the culture and influence the culture instead of having the culture influence him. And be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and this way obey the law of Christ. If you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Oof. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Notice that. So if you're doing what is right, if you're sowing course the spirit, sowing to the spirit. Well, how do I do that? We just look at those fruit of the spirit, starting with love, ending with self-control. If you're following the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, or as Paul started out in Galatians 5, talking about walk or live consistently in the spirit, if you're doing that, you have a harvest coming. See, you all already know that I hate green beans, but there's so many other seeds I could plant. The harvest I want is determined by the seeds I plant. So if I want the harvest of the spirit, I need to plant the seeds the spirit wants me to plant because the harvest he has for me is everlasting life. Now, when we look at that phrase, we think about, okay, when we die, we enter into everlasting life and there is everlasting life awaiting for you once your life on this earth is over. But everlasting life is not just a quantity of life. It's also a quality of life. And when we concern the quality of life, everlasting life is available to you right now. And the way you reap everlasting life in your life right now is by sowing to the Spirit. Because we can't just put every reward from God into heaven. Why? We just look at the rewards of living to the flesh hits you now in the earth, Right? So why would the rewards of living for God only hit you in heaven? No, there are rewards for you now on earth, and there's rewards for you in heaven. But you have to sow to the Spirit. Do what the Spirit wants you to do if you want to reap everlasting life from the Spirit. Instead of just going on, it's like, oh, there's so much hell on earth, well, get something different. Sow a different seed. He said, well, pastor, I prayed today, good. I read my Bible and came to church. Good job. You you look at Monday. Ooh, where's my harvest? Remember, it takes time. There is seed, time, and harvest. And so although you may have just started doing the right things, good, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop now. This is definitely not the time to stop. Keep going. So that the harvest that awaits you is what you've been sowing for. Because the thing about sowing, on the negative side or the positive side, it doesn't just affect you, it affects your generations. Even under the law, it said, talk about certain sins and iniquities can affect the third and fourth generation. Sow in a way that you want your kids to reap. If your actions today determine how blessed your kids would be, how would you act? If the seeds you sow today would determine what type of blessings your kids would experience, what would you sow? Think about that. Not just, okay, I want my life to be blessed. I want my kids and my grandkids, my great-grandkids to be blessed. I want all my generations to be blessed, should Jesus tarry. And so that's going to determine you sow seeds. See, some of the things some of you are fighting, it's not your fault. It's a harvest of generations before you. But it's not your fault, but it's now your fight. You can determine if you pass on this fight to the next generation. Or you can determine that I'm going to win this fight so all those who come after me don't have a generational curse, they have a generational blessing. It may not be your fault, but it is your fight. And you must fight the good fight of faith, keeping your faith in the God who always gives you the victory, the God who always calls you to triumph. But you have to keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling of the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. You have to keep going forward. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are those who walk by faith. We're not those who back down and back away because of pressure. We're not those who back away and fall back into destruction. We're those who press forward to the saving of the soul, as Hebrews says. We keep going forward. That's what we have to do. So what you need to do is go and look again at your life. What are you sowing? What are you watering? What are you cultivating? If you don't like the harvest, go back and look again. Examine the seeds you've been sowing, Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 from the New King James, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself, not your neighbor, test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So examine yourself. re-examine yourself. Or go and look again. Stop looking at your neighbor and look at yourself. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say, stop looking at your neighbor and look at yourself. What makes sense, if we are going to examine ourselves, we need to have clear vision. Because think about if you had bad vision trying to examine yourself. So I got these glasses recently for, you know, since I'm on my screens a lot, you know, computers, devices, they got these blue light lenses so your eyes don't become tired. And so the whole purpose is for me to be able to look at things longer without wearing out my eyes, right? But what if I just smudge them up a little bit? Just get grease all over it and all the other things, and then I put it on, hey, where'd y'all go? How can I examine my life if my vision is blurred? How can I examine my life if the lens I'm looking for is smudged? And so when I was praying concerning these five topics we've been praying for on the 21 Days in Prayer, and praying for insight, One of the things the Lord said to me as I was praying was, make sure you don't cloud your own vision. Make sure you don't cloud your own vision. And the thing was, he wasn't saying make sure you don't let the enemy do it, make sure you don't do it. And so when I was praying that out, well, how do we cloud our own vision? How do we let things cloud our sight? The first thing he said, not doing the truth you know to do. Not doing the truth you know to do will cloud your sight. As James 122 says, you are deceiving yourself if you hear the word and do not do it. If you want to cloud your own vision, hear the word and don't do it. You'll see less clear. And then when you re examine your life, say, see, I ain't doing nothing. No, you are. You just have cloudy vision. Next, if you're actively, if you're actively believing lies to escape the truth, you will cloud your vision. If you are actively believing lies to escape the truth, you will cloud your vision. When the word convicts you, even if it's hard, call it true. You say, oh man, pastor stepped all over our toes today. Just call it true and just leave it at that. Just like, yep, it's true. The Bible is true. I I agree. I'm not sure how am I going to do it, but it's true. Start there. Call it true. Jesus, your word is right. Now help me do it. Well, first, help me want to do it. Come on, be honest. Help me want to do it. And two, then help me do it. That's why the scripture says he lives within you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's going to help you want to do what is right, and he's going to help you do what is right. So when you're convicted of the word, call the word right and ask God to help you want to do what's right and help you do what is right. This is not by your own willpower. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Don't look for or create a reason for why it's not true or relevant to you. Because a lot of people say, oh, no, you know, it's 2021. It's about to be 2022. We don't got to do that. No, no, no. No, no, no. Is it in the New Testament? Is it clearly talking to blood-washed, spirit-filled believers? Yeah, well, it's talking to you. Next, get your eyes off other people. Well, they ain't doing it. Did Jesus ask you about them? He asked you about you. I don't know if you growing up, you'd say, well, so-and-so did this if that ever worked out in conversation with your parents. What was the response? I ain't their parent. I'm your parent. So get your eyes of other people. Comparison is a thief of joy. Stop judging others in your heart, in your mind, in the words of your mouth and in your social media. Unrighteous judgment produces judgment in our lives. Unrighteous judgment will cause you to judge someone of something small and bypass the huge telephone pole in your eye. Because if you're judging someone else for a toothpick and you got a telephone pole, you can't see clearly. And you're examining your license, I'm pretty good. Yeah, because you can't see nothing with that big old log in your eye. And you'll wonder why the harvest you hate keeps showing up. Unrighteous judgment and constant unhealthy comparison will cloud your vision. Because, you know, we can get all caught up on social media about all the drama people are doing, but think about it this way. Not your circus, not your monkeys. It's a Polish proverb I've held close to for years. Not my circus, not my monkeys. It ain't my business. Especially if it's a rumor about somebody. Why would we become gossipers? Yes, it's a billion-dollar industry, but why would we join in? No. Believe the best, forgive the rest. It ain't your business. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Believe the best, forgive the rest. Oh, you're going to keep telling about so-and-so? Let's pray for them right now. You must have a burden on your heart for so-and-so. Come on, let's intercede for them right now. You keep doing that, they're going to stop telling you about so-and-so. And if they call you and say, let's, you know, did you hear? just want to let you know for prayer. Make sure that phone call ends with you praying for them, not being the holy version of a gossip line. Go and look again. Say, go and look again. Because you need clear eyes for where you are going. You need clear eyes for what God has in store for you. You need clear eyes to reap the harvest that is awaiting you. Not only do we need to go and look again at our own actions and seed-sowing practices— We need to go and look again at the areas we have given up on. See, over the last month I've been praying over this and that there are some areas of your life that you thought that just won't produce ever again, that you thought you were done with because it just hasn't been working out. You thought it's done with, I'm gonna move on. There are things right now the Spirit of God is breathing upon that are gonna start to produce again, but you need to go and look again because if you don't go look again, you'll miss the production that are coming from these areas. I'm talking about good things. Things you forgot about. Things that you left in the past. Maybe when you were a kid, you stopped dreaming about this area. You worked hard in this area, but it never worked out. Things you have left alone. The Spirit of God says, go and look again. Things that stop producing or seem to never produce, He's breathing upon. Go and look again. It reminded me, as I was praying this out, it reminded me of a number of passages, but it reminded me of a story of Isaac. So go with me to Genesis 26 as I begin to close. say, go and look again. Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, he sowed in a time of famine. Ain't nobody getting nothing but this man. And not only did he get something, he got a hundred times. So imagine, if he's sowed one apple seed, he would get one apple tree. But from one apple seed produced a hundred apple trees. You think, well, that's enough. But then it says, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had great possessions of flocks and possession of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him while he's living in the land of the Philistines because it's a drought they got nothing and he had nothing until he began to sow and then he got a harvest and you got to think well where are all these cattle and things coming from is this stuff producing yeah they're producing but people and this time they need food right if there's only one person whose land is producing guess what you go into him to buy everything so the whole nation is coming to this one man And he alone, just like his grandson would, Joseph, is sustaining the nation. To some point, he becomes so rich that an entire nation is jealous of him. This entire city-state is jealous of him. It's like what Jesus said, you will receive a hundredfold now and this time with persecution. What is that pressure coming from people? And so what was the result? Now the Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father and had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. How much sense does this make? If this one dude is feeding everybody, why kick him out? Treat that dude nicely. Look, if the whole reason our city hasn't starved is because of you, be nice to that brother. But they're so jealous, so envious, they kicked him out. Gotta be careful of jealousy and envy. Don't let it ruin a relationship you're supposed to keep just because you're upset they got blessed before you. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again. Say dug again. Go ahead, put that in the chat and say it again. Say dug again. The wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham's father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Pause, it is a drought. No one has been successful with any well digging or doing anything, but this man is kicked out where he was. In the first spot he goes, he digs and water shoots up. A well they thought was done producing and hadn't been open in years, maybe decades begins to produce again. Then the herdsmen there began to quarrel with Isaac's herdsmen saying, this water is ours. So he called the name of the well Issach because they quarreled with them. Then he dug another well and water sprung up again and they fought over that one. And he moved from there and dug another well and that is the one they didn't quarrel over. No, 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 he has caused three wells to produce in a time of drought and famine. And a time where everybody was running out and didn't have enough. This man went back to areas where they thought was done producing, areas that he thought was over with, areas that he thought that wouldn't happen again. And he began to redig the wells of his father Abraham and call them by their original names. And water began to come up. Areas that people had given up on. Because if they knew there was water there, the Philistines would have opened it up. But they didn't know because their eyes were cloudy. Their eyes were blinded. But if you clear up your vision and you gain some insights, you'll be able to know what well to go to and see what springs up. Now look at this in verse 22. He renamed this last well. For now the Lord has made room for who? Who? And we shall be fruitful in the land. See, God is about to make some room for you, He's about to make some room for you. You think, man, I've made it through some of these times and it seems like it's been tight, but he's about to make some room for you. In areas you thought were done producing, areas that you thought could never happen again. The Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is breathing. He's making some room for you. But you're going to have to know where he's making the room at. You're going to have to clear up your vision and look at the right place because Jeremiah 17 talks about those who trust in the armor of the flesh and lean on the armor of flesh, they will look and they won't see where good comes. It doesn't say good's not coming, it says they won't see it. But the one who trusts in God will see it and will miss when the other stuff comes. Why? He's ain't looking at it. It matters where you're looking. That's why I'm here to tell you, go and look again. Clear up your vision. Let him lead you to wells that have been stocked up by the Philistines, wells that have been stopped up and filled with dirt because he's making room for you, and you're going to be fruitful in the land. And the Lord, verse 24, appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. He's reminding him of the covenant. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched in there, and his, his servants dug another well. You see, this sounds impossible. Well, we serve the God who makes things possible. So don't determine what's possible in your life because of what other people said or what you've seen or what you've experienced. That is not the judge of what's possible in your life. The judge of what's possible is what thus saith the Word of God, thus saith the Spirit of God. So that's why during these 21 days of prayer you're praying for insight. That your eyes may be cleared up and open flood with light so you may know the expectation, the invitation the Spirit of God has for you. It's important that you have the correct perspective. Because if you believe, everybody says, well, you know, still in the pandemic, everybody's going to run out. Well, if you believe that, that's what you're going to have. But as I told you before this time ever happened, the people who make the most money make it in times of economic downturn. Some of them just know where to look. Stop believing what everybody else is saying. Believe what God is saying. Make sure your eyesight is clear. Make sure you're sowing the right seeds so you can reap the quality of life that God has for you. Our best is ahead of us. You know, I've been seeing so many people sharing reports of negative things and negative things on earth and negative things in the church and negative things here, negative things there. And I search my heart. I don't have that in my heart. I don't have despair in my heart. I have hope, hope that we haven't seen anything yet. Hope that our best days are ahead of us hope that what God has done before he's gonna do it again on a higher way hope that we as a faith family going to heights we've never seen before hope that the church at large is gonna become glorious and do what Jesus said it would do I have great hope for the future not in despair not hope based on the darknesses in the world not hope based on the darkness of the news reports not hope based on what comes from both political parties hope based on the Holy Ghost And that hope will not make you ashamed, for he has poured out his love in your heart. And that love fuels your faith. That love delivers you from fear. That love empowers you to go forward to the future. So grab on to hope in these days because your best is yet to come. Stand to your feet. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus forevermore. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus forevermore. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise be unto you. All the glory, honor, and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. glory to Your name, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. Come on, bless the name of the Lord with me. Come on, bless the name of the Lord with me. For He is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. He is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, you, Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the correction and the encouragement. We thank you for what is yet ahead, what is just before us. Father, I pray for a refreshing to hit this body right now, a refreshing to hit this room, a refreshing to hit those online, that they won't get tired and doing what is right, but they'll press on to the mark of the high calling. They won't get tired and doing what is good, but they'll reap the harvest because they choose not to faint. Father, I pray for refreshing to flow, refreshing, times of refreshing, so they gather the right insight so they redig the right wells so things produce again things that you're breathing upon hallelujah 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 refreshing 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 refreshing, 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 Some of you are going to catch your breath again. See, the name of the Holy Spirit in Hebrew is Ruach HaKodesh. It's talking about the breath of God. You're about to catch your breath again. You're going to catch your breath again. Physically and metaphorically, we come against lung diseases and lung issues, all types of asthma. Be healed now in the name of Jesus. Lung capacity be restored now in the name of Jesus. Lungs that have been hurt because of smoking habits, emphysema, be healed now in the name of Jesus. And may souls be restored by the Holy Ghost, the breath of God. Hallelujah The winds of the Holy Ghost Blowing in this room The winds of the Holy Ghost Blowing through every device To every home and workplace connected The winds of the Holy Ghost The winds of the Holy Ghost. Sister Camille, if you'll just sing out, The winds of the Holy Ghost are refreshing us all. The winds of the Holy Ghost are refreshing us all.
1: The winds of the Holy Ghost are refreshing us all. Xinga
0: To turn from some things, repent from some things. Stop sowing those seeds we talked about. Ask Him to forgive you. 1 John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Some of you need to confess some things, not to this mic, not to me, but before God. So that you can stop sowing these wrong seeds and receive the benefit of the winds of the Holy Ghost the winds of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. your hands towards heaven. Receive of the refreshing of the winds of the Spirit of God. May they blow through every single area of your life. Blowing out the chaff. Blowing out the things that need to go. Causing inspiration and innovation and creativity to flow. Causing you to catch your breath again. Your youth to be renewed. For your hope to come back. Blowing away things, scales off your eyes. Things on your eyes like were on Saul's eyes before. Clearing your eyes so that you can see again. May these winds blow on all your relationships, on your family, on your finances, on your career, on your neighborhood and your community. Bringing about a change. A change. A wonderful change. A change that can only be wrought by the spirit of grace himself. May it cause your bodies to be healed. Your minds to be healed. Your souls to be healed. Your relationships, your marriages to be healed. May it cause you to dream again. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll pick up here next week. Glory to God.